The following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. It was preached on Sunday, February 25th, 2024, on the basis of Mark 8, verses 31 through 38. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. So suppose a person is standing in Quebec City, Quebec, right at the very mouth of the St. Lawrence River. And suppose there is another person who is standing in New Orleans, Louisiana, right at the mouth of the Mississippi River. And suppose a third person is standing way up north at the mouth of the Nelson River. There isn't really a city there. In fact, almost nobody lives there. But you look at these three different places on the map, and it would appear as though three people who would be standing in each of them, standing at the mouth of a separate river, would be standing in very different places on planet Earth, miles and miles and miles apart. And I think in a lot of ways, life can sort of seem like that. We might even picture our lives like a river. It follows along many different twists and turns. It, it changes direction with various decisions that we make or unexpected events that might come up. And then at the end of that river, we end up standing in a particular place. And it's very easy to look at, at some of the other places that other people are standing and assume as though our lives are miles and miles apart. It's not difficult in our world to look at where we might be standing, to look around and see where other people are standing and assume that those are very different places. In fact, it's also not very difficult, perhaps, to look at the place we're standing and assume that, of course, it's, it's the more godly place. It's the more biblical place. It's the more morally upright and wholesome place. And the place where someone else is standing that seems so far away, well, it's the opposite of those things. And yet, of course, every river has a source. In fact, here's kind of the interesting thing about the three rivers that I just mentioned. There is a place near Hibbing, Minnesota, a little place called the Hill of Three Waters. And on this one particular place on planet Earth, there are three different watersheds that all converge at a single point. Which means that from this one single place on planet Earth, water can flow in three very different directions. It can go north to the Hudson Bay, it can go east through the Great Lakes and down the St. Lawrence Seaway. It can go south and end up all the way down in the Gulf of Mexico. So the water ends up in three very different places, and yet it can have at its source one and the same spot. And friends, that's kind of where Jesus wants to take us today. During our Lent worship, we've been talking about how our lives are often like a current that is pulling us in a certain direction. And it sure is easy to look around at the places where other people have been standing, where the currents have taken them versus the, where the currents have taken us, and assume that they are very, very different. But today Jesus wants us to take a look at the place where we happen to be standing at the moment, and he wants to take us way upstream. He wants to take us all the way back to the source. And he wants to teach us that even lives that look very, very different might in fact come from the very same spot. Just as importantly, Jesus also wants to show us that there really is just one true alternative path. 
one true alternative course that our lives with him can follow. And in fact, Jesus shows us that lives can only go in one of these two directions when he brings up one very important topic. As we look at these verses from Mark chapter 8 this morning, we're going to see that when Jesus mentions the cross, it's a watershed moment. That's how this whole thing got started. Jesus mentioned the cross. In fact, the gospel writers tell us that this was really the first time that Jesus had started to be very clear that the cross was where his path in life was going to be flowing. Well, Peter didn't like that very much. And so Peter kind of pulls Jesus off to the side a little bit, and Mark tells us that Peter rebuked Jesus. So Peter didn't want to make a scene or anything, but Peter also didn't suggest just a couple of minor tweaks to Jesus' plan. No, he wanted to see Jesus' path go in a completely different direction, in fact, the complete opposite direction. Peter didn't want to see Jesus' path end up anywhere near a cross. Well, from there, things escalated pretty quickly. Peter had rebuked Jesus, and so Jesus responded by rebuking Peter. Only in Jesus' case, Jesus didn't just keep things hush-hush. No, Jesus made sure all of the disciples were listening to his words. And when he spoke to Peter, he didn't just say, well, I can understand where you're coming from. Nice try. It was a good guess, but you're just a little bit off. No, he refers to Peter as Satan. He says that when Peter was speaking those words to Jesus, he was acting not like a friend, but as Jesus' enemy. He was saying that the words Peter was speaking were not good advice. Instead, they were demonic temptation. And then Jesus went on to make crystal clear that what he had said about himself didn't just apply to himself. It also applied to all of his followers. Eventually, Jesus called the entire crowd of people to gather around, and he said this, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. So not just if you want to be sort of like a super Christian, not just if you want to have a church or a hospital named after you someday. For every single person who wants to follow Jesus, the path flows in the same direction it flows toward the cross. And so Jesus' words about the cross make it very clear that every single path in life begins in one of two places. In fact, we could go all the way back to the very beginning, when God created the first two human beings. It was never God's intention that human beings would just be able to be whoever they want to be, that they would be able to define themselves however they wanted to, Instead, God created them in the image of God. In other words, their definition as human beings was to be a reflection of Him. The characteristics that they embodied and pursued in their lives were to reflect Him, His goodness, His holiness, His love. But then, of course, Satan came along and he offered them an alternative path. Instead of simply being images of God or reflections of God, they could simply be gods. They could be in charge. They could define themselves however they wanted to. And of course, Adam and Eve fell for the temptation. 
And so as a result, it is no longer natural and it is no longer easy for the sons of Adam and the daughters of Eve to live their lives as reflections of the goodness and the holiness and the love of God. Instead, every single time we try to do that, we meet internal resistance. Instead, every time we try to do that, it is painful in one way or another. In fact, every time we try to do that, it feels like death. In fact, in a very real way, it is death. When we pursue the will of God instead of whatever our own will might be, there is a part of us inside that has to die. And so it's no wonder that Jesus picked a cross, which was a symbol and instrument of death, to be the symbol that characterized the Christian life. The cross is a symbol not of a path of self-defining. Instead, the cross is a symbol of a path of self-denying. So let's follow Jesus back upstream. At whatever moment it comes, that watershed moment where we can look down the path of self-defining and look down the path of self-denying, how does that go? We might think that we want the water in our lives, the river, so to speak, to sort of flow in a specific direction, but then all of a the sudden there is a dam blocking its way. Maybe that dam is the Word of God. The thing that we desire, God calls plainly sinful. Maybe the dam is simply the need of our neighbor. So if we are going to put our spouse or a child or a friend or a coworker first ahead of ourselves, then by definition things are not going to go the way that we want. Maybe the dam is simply nature. When I was young, I wanted to grow up to be the next Michael Jordan, but that wasn't in the cards. Whatever the dam might be, when it hits, how do we respond? Do we just plow right ahead? Try and send the water through the dam, over the dam, around the dam? Do we listen to Satan's lies when he tells us that really the goal in life should be to be true to ourselves, to follow our heart, that we deserve to be happy with whatever course we might pursue? Or do we listen to Jesus when he invites us to take up our cross, to die to ourselves, and to follow him. Jesus' words make it very clear that every path in life starts in one of two places. It's either a path of self-defining or it's a path of self-denying. Okay, but isn't it true that all's well that ends well? I mean, at the end of the day, if we look at wherever we happen to be standing, and it sort of is a, a godly life and a moral life and an upright life, and a biblical life, isn't that really the most important thing? Well, here's the thing about water. Water that starts in the same place very often ends up in the same place. So if you take a look at all of the water that can start at that one single spot, the Hill of Three Waters in Hibbing, Minnesota, yes, it can go in three very different paths, and yet whether it goes north and ends up in the Hudson Bay, or whether it goes east and ends up in the St. Lawrence Seaway, or whether it goes south and ends up in the Gulf of Mexico, you can, of course, see that all three of those bodies of water 
are connected to the very same bigger body of water. They are all connected to the Atlantic Ocean. And so in a certain sense, all the water ends up in exactly the same spot. Really, there's just one way in North America for the water to end up in a different spot. You maybe remember learning in school that the continental divide on our continent is much more west. It runs right through the Rocky Mountains. And so everything that flows to the east of the Rocky Mountains ends up in the Atlantic Ocean. There is just one way for anything to end up going west into the Pacific Ocean. And so in the very same way, Jesus wants us to know that when he brings up the cross, it's not just that every path in life starts in one of two places. It's that every path in life ends up in one of two places. Here's what Jesus says. He says, whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. So again, notice that this isn't just general advice. This doesn't just apply most of the time. This is true for every single person. Whoever wants to save their life, self-defining, ends up destroying their life. But whoever is willing to lose their life, self-denying, ends up saving their life. Now here's not what I want you to think. I don't want you to think that this only applies to your future. So self-defining now leads to destruction later. Or self-denying now leads to salvation later. That's part of it, but that's not all of it. In other words, this isn't like what it would be like if right now in your wallet or your purse you were in possession of one million Disney dollars. You remember that fake currency that they used to give away at the Disney theme parks that you could spend there while you're there? If you had a million Disney dollars right now, it would of course do you no good in the moment. You can't go to Quick Trip and buy anything with it. But boy, if you ever made it back to Disneyland, you would live like a king, right? Well, friends, in addition to that, Jesus invites us to cash in on our self-denying, not just in the future, but already now. You see, again, going back to the beginning, God never created human beings to be self-defining creatures. He created them to be self-denying creatures, creatures who find their definition in being reflections of him and pursuing his will. And so what that means is that at the very same moment that someone might think that they are being true to themselves, that they are following their heart, that they are pursuing all of their desires, they are being as little true to themselves as they could possibly be. But on the flip side, in that very same moment where you are very painfully and agonizingly denying yourself something that you desperately want, you are never more than in that moment being true to the self that God created you to be. Anytime we die to our own will and instead pursue his, his goodness, his love, his perfection, we are never being truer to the selves that God created and intended us to be. So when Jesus brings up the cross, he makes it clear that all paths start in one of two places, and he makes it clear that all paths end up in one of two places. Which maybe sounds okay. 
and maybe sounds even convincing and maybe even fires you up a little bit to go out this afternoon and start practicing some self-denial. Let's all go out there and die a little bit today, huh? Yeah, to some degree I hope so. And I wish you the best in that. But here's the important thing. We need to end this conversation right where it started. Before Jesus ever uttered a breath about how the cross would be the symbol of our lives following him, he brought up the cross as the destination of where he would live out and embody the perfect life of self-denial. You see, friends, once Adam and Eve followed down that path of self-defining, they really ruined everything for all of us once and for all. No matter how much we go out there and really try to die to ourselves, we are not going to put that genie back in the bottle. We are not going to push that water back uphill, so to speak. It is not the case that our world is going down the drain. It is the case that our world went down the drain a long, long time ago. And so thank goodness Jesus stepped into that world. Thank goodness Jesus became a human being just like us. Thank goodness Jesus was able to learn what it was like to live a life where he didn't just do his own thing or figure it out for himself, but instead where his entire mission on earth was defined by someone else, defined for him by his Father in heaven. Thank goodness every single time Jesus stood right there at that continental divide, when he looked down the path of self-denying and when he looked down the satanic path of self-defining, he always made the right choice. Last week in the wilderness when he went toe-to-toe -to -toe with Satan, Jesus picked the cross. This week, when Peter happens to be serving as Satan's mouthpiece, Jesus picked the cross. Even on the cross, when his enemies were goading him to just come on down, even then he picked the cross. Jesus rode that river all the way into the mouth of hell. And he came out the other side victoriously. Jesus is the pioneer of this path. Jesus is the perfecter of this path. Jesus forged its beginning and Jesus secured its ending. And friends, because he did that as one of us, he did that for you. And so yes, the cross is going to be a symbol of your life of following Jesus, but even more important than that, the cross is the symbol of the life that Jesus lived for you. And so even as you float down that river carrying your own cross, it is Jesus' cross that serves as your lifeboat. Yes, when Jesus mentions the cross, he makes it very clear that your life is going to pass through death. But because of his cross, it will also go from death to life. Amen.